You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past. I'm your host, Matt Pappas, Certified Life Transition and Recovery Coach. And this podcast is all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. Each week, you'll hear from coaches, clinicians, and advocates who've overcome tremendous odds and are now using their journey to inspire you throughout yours. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Are you ready? Let's do this. Today, I'm honored to welcome back to the show friend and returning guest, Davina Lytle. Davina and I recorded a show together where we talked about her story as a survivor and shared her thoughts and insights on overcoming traumatic experiences and how she's using her voice to help others. That podcast will be listed in the show notes below so you can check out the previous show that we did together. But today we're, we're going to talk about a subject that is surely relatable to so many, survivors or not, and that is the subject of weight control and binge eating. This is a subject that is close to Davina's heart, close to my heart. So let's jump right into it and welcome her to the show. How are you, Davina? Welcome back. It's great to hear I'm from you. I'm good, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. I just walked all over you. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally okay. I'm not going to edit that out because that's just how we roll around here. So <laughs> it's all good, but it's great to connect with you again. Of course, I follow you on Twitter and we'll be sure to put all your social media and your blog information in the show notes. Everybody can follow you back. Um, you're a great friend. You're a great survivor. And, um, you know, I just, I love what you're doing with your blog and how you're moving forward with your life. And I'm excited to share your message today. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. I'm, I, you know, and I, I love following you as well. I mean, we, uh, we both share a lot of the same, well, the same story. Yeah, we certainly do. My story, your story, so many survivor stories have so many commonalities. And of course, you and I are no different. Um, so let's jump right into it with with the subject that we're going to talk about today. And the first uh, thing to maybe talk about is, so how old were you when you started binge eating? I've, you know, and I've thought about this a lot over the last couple of days since we decided we we're going to do this. I'm pretty sure that I, I really, it really hit a high when I was about 13, 14. Um, my parents had just split up and, um, and the abuse in the house escalated. And, uh, and that's when I started to binge eat. And I would, I, I, I honestly, I can't tell you how I can eat that much, you know, being so much older now, like I hardly eat anything, but I could, I could go through a loaf of bread and a bag of chips and, and ho-hos and you name it. Like I just, I just ate my words. Instead of speaking up about what was happening to me, I ate my words. And I found that I've done that so much in my life. You know, instead of saying something, you just turn to a bag of chips or something. Yeah, I know what you mean. I have, uh, I've been known in my day to go to town on a bag of chips. I cannot deny that whatsoever. Chips <laughs> are my weakness. Salty snacks are my weakness. So, oh my goodness, I am, I am so with you on that. Um, as a teenager, um, up until my junior year, um, I had a serious weight problem as well. And of course, I mean, it's something I've struggled with my, uh, entire life, uh, but it was really coming to a head when I was a teenager and well, actually growing up, 
um, and into my middle uh, school years and stuff. So I know exactly what you mean. I would hide behind food. It was comfort. It was a way for me to escape the bullying and the past abuse and just really sit around and just be by myself because, I mean, let's face it, food made me feel better. Um, yeah. It comforted me. It was a way to escape. And, you know, like I said, I could, I could go to town on a bowl of ice cream and a bag of chips and pretzels and not even think twice about it. And it was, it, it was a coping mechanism for me. Um, and at the time, I didn't realize it was an unhealthy coping me- mechanism, but it was all I knew for a long time was just sitting around and eating all the time, you know, watching yeah. TV, driving in the car, going anywhere, snacking constantly. It's just it's what I did because it made me feel better. So I can definitely relate. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, it's amazing how you're not thinking about your feelings when you're stuffing your face. But then when you're finished stuffing your face, then the guilt sets in and you just start feeling so bad because yeah, you know, you and I I don't I don't really struggle with my weight anymore. Um and and I I it's because I got diabetes and I had to get my eating under control. I didn't want to be on the meds because the side effects were so bad. So I I now, I don't know what I do, but back then I just ate my, ate my words and, and put the weight on. And, and I think Matt too, one of the, one of the, one of the things I think, one of the reasons why I think I did it was because I believed that if I was fat, that I would be unattractive and that I wouldn't, I wouldn't get all the, like men are so, I don't want to put y'all under an umbrella umbrella but some men even though they know that you're married and or you're in a relationship or whatever they just don't care and they're inappropriate with their actions with their words um so yeah i figured if i i got i'm getting emotional now (laughs) i figured if i got fat that that would stop but you know what it didn't (laughs) it just kept on you know yeah, you're right. And trust me, I can relate to what you're saying uh, so very much. And you mentioned something that um, I struggled with, that you struggled with, that so many do. And that's, you know, when you're sitting there downing that bag of chips or, or whatever it is you're doing, you're not really thinking about afterwards. You're just thinking about trying to comfort yourself in the moment. And then when you're done, you're like, you know, you start to shame yourself. The guilt comes in. Then you start beating yourself up emotionally. Why did I do that? I shouldn't be doing this. And so that whole shaming um, and guilt and self-blame factor comes in, which just compounds it. And then you end up eating more because you don't know how else to deal with it. So it's just this vicious cycle of really, and, you know, as you mentioned, I struggle with that too. You know, um, you had mentioned about how, you know, some men obviously don't respect the boundaries of being in a relationship or being married. And, and, and of course that goes for both men and women because I experienced it as well. And I think maybe subconsciously for quite a while, I was in that similar boat where I was thinking, well, if I just keep eating, nobody's going to really pay attention to me. So that way nobody will bother me. Therefore I won't be abused. I won't be beat up. I won't be anything else. People will just allow me to be invisible. So you know, in my mind, without even me realizing it at the time, I was trying to protect myself again, albeit in, in a not healthy coping mechanism. But when you're a young child, you know, young kid, a teenager, you don't always think about it from from a rational point of view. You don't have the information. Um, you know, you're not educated as much on you know what it means and what you're really going through and how it affects your body. And I can absolutely relate to what you're talking about, really, um, in more ways than I actually imagined when when, when we first started talking about this. Well, and the worst thing, Matt, too, like when you try to talk to somebody about it, that 
somebody's been inappropriate with you or whatever, um, it always gets thrown back in your face that you obviously, it's what you were wearing or it's, it's, you were being provocative. It, it gets turned back on you. So yeah, you shut down and you eat because now, now you've been blamed for it. The reason why somebody's made that pass or been appropriate, inappropriate with you. Now it's your fault, which it's not. But when you're a kid, you think it is right. Yeah, you absolutely do. I mean, as a child, it's, it's our mind comprehends the situation and, and, and interprets it as blaming ourselves as safer than blaming somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as you're mentioning here, and it's such kind of, it's, it's such a unique um, observation when we think about it, um, you know, about the subject of binge eating and, and eating as a, and using food as a comfort that, you know, not only is it a comfort from potential abuse and trying to escape reality and all that, but it's also um, a comfort to try and keep other people away from hurting you and trying to make them respect boundaries that they clearly hadn't respected before. And, you know, it's maybe not a point that, uh, you know, not everybody has really taken into consideration, but obviously it was that situation was there for you. Um, I experienced it a bit and I'm sure many others as well now that they're listening to this and really seeing a different reason. And, you know, not even as a child always or a teenager, but also as an adult too. Yeah. I mean, you can absolutely use food as a coping skill as an adult. I mean, my goodness. And especially when you've been perhaps in some bad relationships and you were hurt either physically or emotionally, and now you're just trying to keep everybody away. And sometimes um, an easy way to do that is to just keep eating because, you know, your mind thinks, okay, well, if I'm not quote unquote attractive to somebody, they'll just leave me alone. And of course, you know, that doesn't always work, but it's something that we just do, excuse me, perhaps because of our upbringing, because of the um, unhealthy home situation we were in because of some trauma. So I absolutely get it. And I think it's a really great point to really just kind of drive home is that there are so many reasons maybe aren't always as noticeable to why we use food as a comfort. Back to when we were talking about when you first started binge eating, was that around the time that you realized you were hiding behind your weight or did that realization come later? And you know what, at that, when I first started binge eating, I, I, I didn't put weight on, I didn't start putting weight on until about five years later. Um, I don't know. My metabolism must've been really fast. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I started binge eating around 13. Um, but the weight didn't come until I was 18 and, and it came. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Matt. I, I, I can't remember what the question was. No, 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 that, that's okay. And I think, you know, what we're talking about here is, you know, around the time that you realize you, you were kind of hiding behind your weight. So we touched on it a little bit a few minutes ago, but maybe we can dive into a little bit more, you know, aside from the uh, potential relationship and trying to keep someone away from you, what are some other ways that maybe you, you tried to hide behind your weight? Well, yeah, when I, when I started getting really heavy, um, I just, I was hiding from everybody. I, I basically shut myself down and, um, the relationship I was in at the time was a really, really bad one. The father of, of one of my children. And I don't like we talked before, I don't like to bad mouth, but it was, it was a really, really toxic relationship. Um, he was, uh, not home a lot of the time. So I basically just sat at home and ate. I shut myself down from all of my friends and uh, and family. And I was actually told by family that I made my bed and now I had to lie in it. So like when I tried to tell them what was going on, because there was a lot 
of really bad stuff going down. And I was only 18 years old when I got um, into this relationship. Uh, And then I was married to him before, I think I was just before I turned 19 or just after I turned 19. So uh, I, I wanted to just live with him first. But uh, family said, you know, you can't, you shouldn't, it's, it's living in sin. So you need to get married. Had I lived with him for a while, I would have known how toxic the relationship was. But um, just, just hiding from life in general, Matt, you know, I, I use the food as just an excuse to just be alone and, and hide from the world. Yeah. And I think at that time, I didn't really even know I don't know when you remember a lot of the abuse, but there's still a lot of it that I don't, I don't remember completely. But at that, when I was 18, 19 years old and running away from home and I ran away from home so many times between the age of 13 and, and when I got into this relationship, um, uh, my mother would be gone um, for a weekend or overnight and uh, we would be alone in the house. Um, my younger brother and myself with my older brother and he was, he was incredibly abusive. So I would, there, there were nights when I would just, I would run away. I had a place that I could go and stay. Um, It was a a friend. He he was an older friend. um, And I would go down to the the phone booth at the corner of Kerr and Lakeshore and Oakville. And I would call him and say, come and get me, please come get me. And he lived up in Caledon and it's quite a drive for him. But I'd go up and I'd spend a couple of days there. He had a horse farm. His family had a horse farm. And and then I'd go home when I felt like it was safe again. I've talked to so many people who have been in similar situations where, you know, they've run home or excuse me, they've uh, run away from home countless times. Um, you know, they've run to a friend's house or, or you know, um, you know, a partner, you know, someone who they were in a relationship with anywhere to just get away and escape. And so I absolutely, you know, understand where you're, where you're coming from. And it's certainly not uncommon at all with survivors. You mentioned too about, you know, how much I remember, you know, during our survivor journey, memories don't always come up right away. You know, when you first start to work with a therapist or a counselor or a coach, or you start to do your own healing through watching videos and reading books, whatever it is that you're doing, memories start to come back as your mind starts to deem the situation safe and for you to be able to handle it. But of course, everything doesn't come back at one time. Sometimes it comes in a spurt where there's a whole bunch of stuff and then you don't remember anything for a while. And then there's times where, um, you know, you get little bits and pieces here and there based on a trigger or just some random thought that comes into your head. So, um, you know, for everybody that's listening, if that's something that that you struggle with, you're certainly not alone. It's not uncommon for survivors to remember bits and pieces of their journey and the traumatic experiences um, at all. I mean, I still go through it. I'm still remembering things from time to time. I remember most of it, um, but there are still some timelines and parts of my life as a child that I don't remember. And I may never remember. The uh, dissociation took me away. My my mind protected me. Those memories yeah. may come out at some point through through future work, or they may not. And I think it's important to be able to make peace with that and understand that you mm-hmm. may indeed remember a whole lot at some point. You may not remember everything and that it's really okay if that happens, because it doesn't mean that you're not healing, doesn't mean that you're not working through your stuff. It just means that, you know, sometimes things just don't come back. And that's just part of being a survivor. I mean, it it just really is. I think sometimes it's just so bad that it's better that it stays buried. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there are, there are some traumatic memories that are so horrific 
that your mind is like, nope, you are not ready to deal with us right now. We are, we are, we are not safe, all, all these types of things. And so your mind's like, nope, we're not gonna, and then you're not going to remember it, but there may be a time when you will. And, um, you know, at that point, then of course we have to rely on the skills that we've created and utilized and developed over time to help us through that. But something else that you were met or that we were talking about a little bit here is when you were going through the struggles with food and, you know, using food as a comfort and binge eating, did you find it that it was constantly always that way or, or, or did it kind of come and go in cycles? You know, maybe for a while you would eat constantly and then you're like, nah, I, I don't really need to, or I'm not going to for whatever reason. And then maybe later it would come back. Or was it like all the time? Well, I I joined Weight Watchers. I think I was like 14 years old or something ridiculous because I had gained a little bit of weight. I um I think I think that it was a constant, unless of course I was a, a plan like Weight Watchers and counting counting points. And honest to goodness, Matt, I have to tell you, up until probably three years ago, um, when I had to stop binge eating because I ended up getting diabetes type 2 diabetes um up until that point i i could just eat and eat and eat and that's what i did i just um and i beat myself up about it but it was the only thing that helped to get me out of my head when we talk about food obviously you know the way that we escape is is to kind of escape reality is you know get out of our head we concentrate on food or on the tv or something and we just we're sitting there with that bag of chips or that bowl of ice cream or whatever and we're just going to town and we're not thinking about trauma we're not thinking about a bad relationship we're not thinking about past abuse we're not thinking about whatever problems in our past that you know have have plagued us for so long we're just concentrating on trying to cope and deal and and escape reality and and I've thinking been there. about what I'm going to eat next. That's exactly <laughs> right. Oh my God, I'm almost out of chips. Holy crap. What am I going to eat next? What am I going to stuff in my face next? To yep, just- yep, you are exactly right, man. Like <laughs> I'm telling you, memories are coming back of just like, it, it, it's it's just insane. I'm sitting here thinking, yep, I'm like, oh my God, there's there there's half a bag of chips left. Do I have any more? What else is there? And yeah, what I know, am I going to eat a- so I don't have to feel? That's exactly right. What else is here that's going to help me not feel and not deal with whatever's going on in my life? Yeah. So very true. So, and you know, you know, it's important to drive home this point too, that obviously we have to eat to survive, but using the food as a coping mechanism, it's just, it's so difficult and so hard to overcome because it's always there and never talks back. It feels good. And you just, and, and you know, you're, you're, you're just able to escape your problems. And man, I just, there are many, many reasons that uh, people struggle with weight, many reasons that I have that you have. But one of the big things obviously is comfort or also boredom as well. I mean, comfort, yeah. boredom, whatever you want to use, um, escaping reality, but there, there's so many reasons. And that kind of brings me to the next question of, um, the inner demons that you had in your life and maybe still have when you were able to get the weight un- under control because you, um, you know, were diagnosed as being diabetic and now you're like, okay, I have to do something. My life's at stake here. I have to change my eating, et cetera, et cetera. Does that mean that you were able to deal with your inner demons or are they still there? And this is oh, still, God, no, they're still there. <laughs> they're still there. Now that the thing is, is like, so I just, I just got over shingles for the second time in a year and a half. You know, like I think we talked about it in the last podcast, um, the issues that I'm having with my right eye. It's a stress condition called central serous retinopathy. So I'm I'm still I I still eat my words. I'm going to say not as much um, in the relationship that I'm in right now. Uh, Sometimes 
when my husband's voice gets loud and honestly it doesn't get that loud but i that's when i shut down um my demons are still there there i i still i still struggle i still have nightmares i i still have flashbacks of what my life was like um the the fact that my my family my parents are still alive and they don't talk to me um that that's and, and i don't i don't miss them because they weren't very nice to me, but I miss, I miss the thought of family. I miss the thought of having parents, like all the, all the social stuff that goes on, you know, about uh, mother's day. And if you have the best mother, you know, we post this or whatever. I, I never had that. I, I just never had that. And, and when you think about things like that, now I just, I try and instead of eat, I try, I, I took up Tai Chi and I really am enjoying that. Uh, meditation was too hard for me because I couldn't quiet my mind and the Tai Chi because you're concentrating on the poses. So that's what you're doing. You're getting out of your head because you're concentrating on doing a pose. It's kind of like exercising, only it's not as stressful or, or as physically demanding on your body. Um, but yeah, it'd be really nice to find another outlet that would, would help me to get rid of those inner demons, because I think that they're always, they're always going to be there. I think with PTSD, there's always going to be the triggers. Uh, it's just how you deal with them and how you get through them. I think that's the real key as we're going along on this podcast here is finding healthy alternative coping skills. You know, in your situation, you pretty much had to figure out something because um, you know, once you figured out that you were diabetic, you're like, okay, I've got to do something no matter what it is, no matter how hard it is, no matter what demons are cropping up, what memories are coming up, whatever in my past is around, I've got to figure out a way to get this under control. I've got to figure a way to eat healthy, to not use food a- as a comfort and, you know, to find alternative coping skills. And that's really, um, you know, so important right there is finding ways to, to take that past habit, that past default coping mechanism of eating and put that energy, that focus and in, into something else. You know, you mentioned Tai Chi, meditation, being mindful, yeah. uh, martial arts, walking, anything that you can use that, that is not only going to be healthy for you, but it's going to keep your mind off of those past um, self-destructive mindsets and, and, and um, you know, skills is just so unbelievably important. I know for many people, they, they aren't really sure what they can do because they've never done anything else. All, all they've ever done is just eat or they've yeah. always only ever done is, you know, their own particular hobbies or whatever. And their mm-hmm. life is just kind of going in this, you know, perpetual cycle of going round and round and, you know, going back and forth with eating and not eating and trying to get things under control. And mm-hmm. I think that's where it's really important to really do some self-exploration you know, look yeah. inside yourself, do some research, find some things that you can do that you enjoy that could, that can take your focus off of the inner demons, take the focus off of the food, the past struggles and say, okay, I'm going to deal with this in a healthy way by doing a, B and C. And, you know, as I said, for some people that could just be getting outside and walking more. Well, you know, one of the things I do, Matt, I, I, I've, I do a lot of coloring. I do a lot of art therapy. Coloring. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I, cause, cause it keeps your hands busy. It absolutely does. It, it, you know, it, it's kind of funny when I was a kid, obviously, you know, I colored just like probably every other kid on the planet did. But when I grew up, I didn't really do it for a long time. I'm like, ah, you know, coloring, that's something kids do, but my God, 
coloring now with like the adult coloring books and the <laughs> apps on your phone to do coloring books and just going to a craft store, buying yourself some markers and, you know, like a coloring book. Oh my God. It yep. is incredibly helpful for so many people. Oh, it um, is. It is. My husband got me um, a calendar. It's a coloring calendar. So, um, and, and it's funny, you can see, you can see I've had a couple of months. One was really bad. I didn't do I didn't do one speck of coloring uh, that month and the month before it, it's kind of like I tapered off. Um, but back in full force, I just, it's like, it's showing my mental health. <laughs> you know what I mean? Isn't that so awesome? Like, I'm so happy for you because I know coloring is such a huge thing. And you know, it's interesting. I have tried to do it. Like, I mean, I swear to God, I have tried to do it and it causes me so much anxiety because <laughs> it's like, once I start, I mean, it, it, it has the opposite effect on me. Because like, I, you know, I'm trying, you know, I've got this cool coloring book. I've got these cool markers. I'm all excited. And then I start and I'm like, okay, now that I started, I've got to finish. Oh, wait, I screwed up something that that doesn't look right. And then I start shaming myself. It's like, it's, it's, it's just, I mean, it, it's how I deal with it. I don't understand. Like so many people rave about coloring. And I'm like, I just can't do it. I watch videos sometimes of, of people doing coloring books, like you mentioned, and that's actually relaxing. I have a friend on YouTube who puts up, you know, coloring videos periodically and they play some soft music in the background and the videos like 10, 15 minutes of them just coloring. And I can sit there and watch that. And I'm like, Oh, that's, cool. that's so cool. You know, you know, this, th this new creation is coming to life. And I sit there and try and do it. And I'm like, Oh hell no. Like I just can't do it. And it's so weird. And it, it's actually kind of frustrating because I'd love to have that outlet. But for me in particular, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Well, and not everything works for everybody, right? That's exactly right. Well said. Not every coping skill is right for everybody, but if coloring works for you and if you're listening right now and color's working for you, more power to you. Rock the hell out of it. Color your yeah. heart out. And you know, but if it doesn't work for you, you, you know, if you're like me, don't shame yourself. There's tons of other things you can do. Obviously, oh, exactly. you can, you can, you can knit, not as a guy. Well, you could actually, uh, you could pick up a guitar, pick up a musical instrument, learn how to play a musical instrument. You could do puzzles. You could build, you could build a domino. Oh, uh, dominoes are fun, aren't they? I love dominoes. Yes. I love watching those go down. The kids, my, my grandchildren, that was one of the first things that we ever did with the dominoes. And now they still don't play with them properly. They, they set them up and knock them down. Well, that's, that, that's, that's what I do too. I set up a long, crazy like design and then I knock them all down, <laughs> but <Yeah>. it's fun. <laughs> yeah, sure. But, no, yeah. But you know, and I, I think the main point that we're talking about here is Find a healthy alternative coping mechanism that helps yep. you keep, um, you know, the eating under control that helps take your focus somewhere else. It's, it's like I say on the uh, weekly Periscope videos when I'm working through um, anxiety with everyone, one, one of the things we talk about is acknowledge what's there. Acknowledge the inner demon. Acknowledge the struggle. Acknowledge the problem. Don't just push it aside and pretend it isn't there, but, you know, literally say to yourself, I you know I have this in my life. I have that in my life. but I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to keep doing the same old unhealthy skills. I'm going to find a way to distract and put my energies elsewhere. And it really is just so incredibly helpful. Again, no matter what you do, finding alternative skills is just so important and it can be life changing. Yes. Last question as we start to wrap this up um, on, on the topic of binge eating and keeping weight under control. And for perhaps also those who are also diabetic, what advice can you give to other survivors of abuse when they're trying to work through the same types of um, issues that you've described and that I can, I can relate to as well. I started 
I started making everything from scratch. That was really important for me, looking up recipes and stuff so that instead of just pulling a package out of the cupboard and throwing it in the microwave, I was getting more involved in what I was putting into my body. Um, I did a lot more research because of that and found out a lot about food and um, and actually found out that uh, genetically modified foods, and that's another blog or another podcast, but my my husband used to suffer really badly with um, migraines and cluster headaches. And once we eliminated the genetically modified foods and we did everything from scratch, his headaches went away and he suffered his whole life. Like he, he was, he, the last meds that he was on, um, started to damage his liver, his skin started, skin color started to change. And, and that's when I knew I had to do something to help him, but getting involved with your food and finding out about what you're putting into your temple. Cause it really is your temple if you don't take care of it um nobody else will it's it's up to you to do it so yeah getting involved and and baking and cooking everything from scratch really helped me because now now I can't just go to the cupboard and grab something and throw it in the microwave it's it's a it's a process if I don't have the ingredients I have to go to the store and I I do yeah the tai chi to try and keep myself keep my mind off of stuff um and I'll, another thing Matt I try to do is I try not to watch very much TV. Uh, I try to do things where I just have the music on in the background because when you're sitting in front of the TV you're not really thinking. And that gives you it's almost like okay so I'm sitting in front of the TV what am I going to eat? What's in the cupboard? What can I go get now during the commercial? No, watch Netflix. There's no commercials. There's no getting up. You have to shut it off. <laughs> right? There's no excuse to get up and go into the kitchen. Well said. Well said. And, you know, I think that's a great point, too, is getting more involved with your food and making your own food, taking the time to read the ingredients, to look up new recipes, to try new things, new things that are healthy. Um, you know, I think for a lot of people who live their lives um, as I did for so long and sometimes still do today, you know, we're on the go. We're doing a lot of things. It's it's real easy to roll into a McDonald's or a Burger King and pick up something and just eat on the go. It's so easy to just buy an extra bag of chips when you're at the store. So you can go home and binge on Netflix or whatever. And I think it's really important, as you mentioned, that, you know, you can use cooking as a good healthy coping mechanism because you're getting, as you say, get involved with your food understand what's in there, make it from scratch. I mean, not only is it more healthy, but it's also satisfying because you accomplished making something on your own that didn't involve opening a door and pushing some buttons for five minutes till it's done. Right. I mean, one other thing Matt, that's really important is that, uh, I found that once I stopped following a diet plan, because I, I was obsessed, absolutely obsessed. I wrote down everything I wrote. I, I ate during the day. I added up my points. Um, once I, stopped following a diet plan and actually ate the calories that I needed because what I found is every time I went on a diet I I I couldn't lose weight it's like my body just shut down and held on to everything and I did when I started doing the research on it and uh it said that I was not getting in enough calories so my body was holding on to the fat so I went from eating 1200 calories a day up to 2500 calories a day and the weight started to fall off and I couldn't understand you know, here I'm, I'm eating more, but it was because my body needed more. And when I would go on a diet, it would go into starvation mode. So don't, don't go on a diet, so to speak. Don't go to one of these plan things because 
they have that plan. They're making money, right? It's to make money. And the slower you lose the weight, the more money that they make. Look it up on the internet, find out exactly how many calories you need for your body type and the amount of exercise that you're doing and go with that. Trust it. Trust it. I didn't at first. It was really hard, you know, saying, okay, I've only been eating 1200 calories a day and now I'm, I'm going to eat 2,500. That's just, that's ludicrous. I'm going to get fatter, but I, I don't even count calories anymore. I just, I eat what I want to eat. Um, and yeah, the binging, the binging doesn't happen because it can't. Um, because diabetes leads to high blood pressure, to cholesterol, high cholesterol, to all kinds of other things. So uh, it it isn't an option at all to overeat. Absolutely, you know, eating eating more calories, you know, doesn't mean that you're going to put on more weight, but it's eating the right kind of calories, getting yes. yourself the right kind of nutrients, so your body can perform and burn faster. You know, you know, your your uh, metabolism increases. You're burning fat faster. You're burning everything faster. And so your body's working harder and, you know, you're losing more weight, even though you're taking more in. So it's a win, even though it's counterintuitive for so many. And I, I again, I, I can totally relate to it. Um, you can as well. I think it's a great way to end this is to just reinforce that it's not uncommon at all to use food as a comfort to escape uh, your problems, to just, you know, sit down and forget the world. But at the same time, when you realize that there are healthy alternatives not just in food, but in doing other activities to, to occupy your mind and your body, it, it can be life-changing. I mean, there's apps out there now that, that pretty much spell out, you know, pretty much what you need to eat and when you should eat it. I mean, you can follow those, because, you know, if it's a good reputable one that tells you the right information to eat and it's not just, you know, eat, eat 1,500 calories and you'll lose weight because we know that's not true. But yeah. do the research, as you said. Um, don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help, ask questions, watch videos, read books, you know, get healthy recipes and find alternative coping skills. I think it's a great way to wrap this up. Uh, Davina, this is so awesome. You can tell everybody where to find you on social media. How's that? Uh, okay. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, just under Davina Lytle. I have a blog, which is DavinaLytle.com. And I also have a Facebook page called I'm still here. Any comments you want to leave on my site? Because uh, I, I write a weekly blog. Um, and yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, I I really, really appreciate your friendship and, and your help in moving through this, um, this wonderful, wonderful disease or illness, PTSD. <laughs> Indeed, right. It's my pleasure and um, it's my honor to be your friend and to be on this journey with you. Um, I'm grateful that you were able to take some time out of your day here to chat with me and share your story. I know it's going to help so many. Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast should not be considered as a substitute for professional medical help or mental health counseling. If you've ever considered working with a certified coach, Or if you simply have questions about how working with a coach can benefit you, just head on over to beyondyourpast.com for more information and to schedule your free introductory session. From overcoming trauma to working your way through that major life transition, we'll work together to figure out what's holding you back so that you can realize your full potential and discover the authentic you. Remember, you are worth it. Achieving your goals and waking up each day knowing that you can handle what's coming and thrive is something that everyone deserves. So take that first step and contact me today and let's do this. Talk to you soon.